Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, 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 everyone, into another episode of Western Centric. Thank you for taking the time out of your guys' day to listen to the show. I'm your host, Colton Davies, and alongside me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we're going to be talking about the passing of both Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur. We'll take a look back at their historic junior careers and what they were able to accomplish. We're going to talk about the U18 tournament in Germany and how Canada has been performing. They, of course, played Czechia today, which was an interesting game. Uh, we'll talk about Mark Castellick's first NHL goal. The WHL playoffs are underway. And then we have a special interview up next, which you guys can click on the timestamp, of course. So we'll jump right in, of course. Um, just we both want to offer our condolences to both the families of Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur, of course, icons um, in the hockey world. We're going to take a look at their junior careers. Obviously, they played in the QMJHL, but as you know, WHL fans, we appreciate what the OHL and the QMJHL does, and eventually we'll probably get some guys on from there. But we want to talk a little bit about what they were able to do because they played in an era that they set just insane records. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about Guy Lafleur. I'll let Matthew talk a little bit about Mike Bossy, and we'll just share some thoughts there. But you take a look at some of what, you know, Guy was able to do with the Quebec Ramparts. And in his first year there, he had 103 goals. Like, yeah, my God, uh, it's <laughs> unfathomable. Like what some of these players were able to do back in junior. And then they go on to have the, their legendary NHL careers, but 103 goals, 67 assists, 170 points. And then the next year, 130 goals. And that, you know, he's second in the QMJHL in all time now for goals in a single season with 130 it, and 209 points. I mean, holy cow, talking about tearing up the league. <laughs> well, that means he's scoring like hat tricks almost every game. Yeah. <laughs> or like games yeah. that he probably had five goals in and who knows? I mean, um, he's also captain of that team too, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's amazing what he did. And then of course, I mean, the NHL career is just, he just continues it. Um, but yeah, LaFleur was a heck of a player, heck of a person. So, uh, sad to see him, uh, pass away, but, uh, you know, his legacy is going to, you know, stick around and in hockey and, um, you know, in, in the lives of a lot of people because they, they remember him and, uh, a lot of the time they brought, families close to he brought families close together because you know my dad um always talked about Guy Lafleur or he talks about Guy Lafleur and I uh, you know when he passed away he said well 
you know, it was sad because he remembers when he played and, and he watched him uh, as he was growing up. And uh, so, yeah, he, he was a heck of a player and uh, you know, like from all accounts, he's a really great person as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Excellent player, even better person is what I've heard as well. And, you know, you look at those Memorial cup runs that he went on to in 36 points in 12 games. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about this before we recorded. It's not a record official on the CHL website, apparently. Um, mm -hmm. But if it was to be counted, it would be the, he would have the most points in a single Memorial cup. Um, and then the next year, of course, they won the Memorial cup in 70, 71. That of course is when he put up 209 points. And then he also went first overall that year to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, well-deserving, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> absolutely insane. A first-team All-Star, Memorial Cup champion, most points. And, I mean, what's crazy about him putting up 209 points in that season, too, when I was doing a little bit of research looking about him, um, you know, Guy, Guy was before my time, and so was Mike Bossy. Um, obviously, I've spent hours going down – the the rabbit holes even before they've passed away i've spent hours looking at what they've what those two guys have done i mean they're icons yeah. and you 209 points is ranked seventh on the all-time list for most points in a single season in the qmjhl so some of those guys are putting up some crazy numbers back then holy frick <laughs> yeah lots of lots of scoring it's still a lot of scoring now but back then my you know it's even more pronounced so yeah well and when they so when quebec defeated the edmonton oil kings in 1970 1971 um one of the profound scorers profound prolific i think prolific was the word yeah. i wanted to use actually <laughs> one of the one of the goal scorers was darcy rhoda he was playing <laughs> for the edmonton oil kings so thought that was kind of neat that's kind of a nice cool connection yeah yeah a little <laughs> connection there yeah there you go um, you know, we talk about Mike Bossy and, you know, what he did in the NHL and the QMJHL in such a short period of time, too. I mean, mm -hmm. um, he left the NHL way too soon. Um, you know, he played only about 10, 11 years. So, yeah, 10 years. So a decade. Um, and that's all he played. And he scored 50 or more goals in all of his seasons, except for the last one um cut short for injury and you know his i believe it was a back injury that kind of made him retire and you know over 100 points and again all all but like two three seasons so i mean and then you look at his kum jhl career 100 points throughout his career so 118 in his first year his career high was 84 goals and 149 points uh, you know there's another he's not scoring over it's not scoring at the rate the floor was, but uh, at 130 or so, but he's again, over a hundred points in 60 games, 70 or so goals. That's not seen now. I mean, you're not, you're not getting even the, you know, Archie Baines and his 112 points. He only had 30 or 40 goals. So yeah. Uh, you know, these guys are putting up 70 plus and it's again, you know, Mike boss, who was a captain of his team in his last year before he was, uh, went to the NHL and drafted 15th overall, which is amazing to me that he wasn't drafted higher. I, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> such a goal scorer. And, um, you know, I don't know who, who was in that draft that would have gone higher, which, I mean, I can quickly check here. I, uh, you know, none the guys that are ahead of him. I mean, 
you look, I'm looking here. It's, you know, Doug Wilson was the highest goals. I don't know. It would have been Lucien Dubois. And so, I mean, there's not as many, like the highest guy above him was Doug Wilson at 127 points in his career. Uh, you look at wow. Mike Bossy at over a thousand in yeah. you know 10 seasons and uh, you know, no one else hit, even got close except for, uh, for Wilson there. So, and he played 16 years. So it's like, and the goals are even more insane. You got 573 and uh, comparatively the highest of, for that is 270 282 so like <laughs> it, that is crazy yeah, that is insane to me i mean i never looked at this before so this is the first time you know looking at you know the first overall pick was dale mccourt um detroit red wings he only played yep. seven 478 points i mean it's not that's nothing bad but for a first overall pick i mean you read draft this mike bossy's first overall like hands down so yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's pretty interesting to see what you know he was drafted so low and what he did in his career. I mean, he is the most prolific goal scorer in NHL history, like without a doubt. I mean, you yeah. you already said like the nine fifty goal seasons and five sixty goal seasons is incredible. Yeah, it's like holy cow. Um, and then. I was listening to the uh, the Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick show, or 32 Thoughts. What am I talking about? I was listening to 32 Thoughts, and they were talking about if players nowadays, like Connor McDavid, uh, Mitch Marner, uh, just for example, those two, I guess we yeah. can use Leon Dreisaitl as well. We'll use a WHL guy. Um, if those three guys were had to play out their junior careers till they were 20, holy cow, what were the numbers they would have put up? Like... Oh yeah. Like what would McDavid be doing at 20 years old in Erie? Like he mm. would have had like 185 points. Like it would just it would have been insane. And like obviously Mike Bossy and Guy were both drafted before the implementation of the 18-year-old draft. Yeah. So there was the 20-year-old draft, right? And that's where that connection comes and it's just crazy to think about. But I mean like his first year in the queue um first official season 70 goals yeah <laughs> holy cow and then yeah like 79 goals 75 goals so i mean he just averaged over 70 goals a season there in laval um obviously both of them are you know just legends they've had their numbers retired by their respective teams at the new york islanders um i don't think laval uh ended up staying around too long in the qmjhl i know they bounced around for a bit um yeah. But they didn't, uh, they never did retire Mike Bossy's number, according to Elite Prospects. Um, Guy, of course, had his number four retired by the Quebec Remparts. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, the funeral for Guy is going to be um, emotional. It's going to be, um, it's going to be really interesting to watch from a fan perspective. Yeah, it, it will be. And I, the thing is, like, a lot of the people that are going to be watching it didn't grow up. Um, exactly watching them yeah um, there is a lot of you know older like i said my my dad and you know he he and my my uncle uh yeah. they both you know grew up in that era um you know montreal Canadiens winning all those cups and uh and you know he remember you know mike bossy was same same era there too and said well 
you know, the Islanders and the Montreal Canadiens at that time were both, they were the dynasties and mm-hmm. uh, both of those guys were front and center in each of those, those um, runs that both those teams went on. And, uh, you know, I heard stories, my, my dad's told me about him and, uh, you know, I said, well, it'd be really cool to live at that time to watch those guys and be able to, he's like, you know, it was, it was amazing to watch almost every game they'd win. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he said, well, you know, the times they did lose, he's like, what are you guys doing? You're supposed to be winning every game. You're such a good yep. team. Yeah. You know, one of yeah, the scenes, they I think they only aura. lost eight games or something. So, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You look back at those dynasty teams and um, that's the other thing that those two uh, guys obviously have in common is they both were a part of um, teams that went on insane runs. I mean, Montreal had the five straight cups and the Islanders had the four straight cups. Yeah. Um you know, we have Tampa Bay and I think people are understanding that we are blessed to have what Tampa Bay has right now to be able to watch what they have and the dynasty that they have. And if they can go for the three peat and, you know, we're a part of modern day NHL history, essentially. It's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. It's, it's interesting. And then, you know, it's just, I, I've got family, of course, who grew up watching Ghee. And grew up watching Mike Bossy, and they've—it's the same thing. They talked about just like, if only you were able to to watch him, is what they say to me. Like you, <laughs> you were able to sit down and just watch a game, and understand what he would would do out there because he would just take your breath away. Both of them would, and it's incredible. It's crazy when you have players like that, and they leave their mark, and they're Hall of Famers for a reason. And you know, they're both had tremendous. Um, ovations at the Bell Center, and it's it's it was pretty. Uh, it was gave me goosebumps when they started to chant uh, Ole the other night yeah. during uh, the ceremony for Guy. Yeah, it, it, like I said, he was a big. He was not just a legend in hockey; he was a legend in Montreal. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, or the other way around. It wasn't just a legend in Montreal; it was a legend in hockey, but. You know, in Montreal, he was an icon. He was a guy that, you know, he would play for another team. Like, he played for the Nordiques and the Rangers yes. before he retired. And whenever, you know, the first time he came back there, they were cheering like he was playing for the Montreal Canadiens. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 amazing. You know, usually that doesn't happen. You know, player leaves and they come back. And it's, it's not as, I mean, it depends on the player if they've been there for a long time and they come back, it's, it's usually a good ovation, but you know, they're not cheering like they, like they're still part of the team. I mean, <laughs> no, of course not. And that's just the thing, right? Um, obviously both of those players had that type of aura and Mike Bossy never played for another team other than New York. No, Islanders, right. so he never, never did get that type of feeling, I guess, in that own building. But you know, anytime he scored, he was obviously cheered and, and so on when they did alumni stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, again, our condolences to both the families of Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur, and to uh, everybody involved in their uh, families um, and friends' circles. Uh, we just want to send our condolences to you. And we will move on now and talk a little bit about the U18 tournament that's taking place in Germany. Um, did you watch today's game? No, I, I wasn't able to watch uh, today's. I was working this morning, so... Uh... I didn't get to, to catch that, but you know, it sounded like it was a, it was a crazy game. I mean, the Czechia yeah. won in OT six, five, um, 
you know, Yuri Kulik, he's been like, I'm glad I haven't written his profile yet because, he, you know, I, I started writing it and I'm like, well, maybe I should wait what he does in this U18. It looks like he's pretty, pretty good. He's got five goals already. Um, you know, one, he scored the overtime winner uh, yep. in that game. And, uh, you know, he, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, these are where in this tournament, this is where players kind of showcase themselves and see what, you know, they can up their ranking and, and looks like Kulik is doing that early. So, um, you know, Canada is often a little bit of a slow, you know, slow start here. They have only one win, um, you know, obviously it's against Germany, um, yeah. you know, eight, eight to three, and then they lose here in OT and then they lost a barn, you know, bad game against the U S eight to three. So, I mean, that was our first game and us just looks so much better than them. And they, they do, you know, and they do, they have so much, so many good players that are coming up in this draft. Logan Cooley, Isaac Howard was amazing in that game. Um, so he's, he's leading the tournament in goals, I believe uh, still. So, you know, that team's going to be really tough. I think the U S they are unbeaten right now. So, and they're scoring at a ridiculous rate. So eight to three against Canada, six to two against Czechia, and then 10 to two against Germany. So um, they're a prolific team. They can score. So, I mean, and then of course they Canada played Czechia here and they lost six, five. So it's like us seems to be the better team at this point. Um, what do you think? I think, so when I first saw people putting, I saw Scott Wheeler, um, former Western centric guest, Saw him tweet out that uh, he thought the U.S. would take home gold and Canada would take home bronze. And it got me thinking. I was like, oh, okay. So do other people think that? Like, I was just curious, like, what people thought. And you watch that game with the U.S. and Canada. And this was obviously before they played. And holy cow. Like, I that U.S. team is filthy. Logan Cooley is disgusting at hockey. And... My hot take is Logan Cooley is going to skip college and go right into the NHL next season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my oh, hot yeah. take. I can see him jumping right up into the NHL. Um, and Isaac Howard, uh, you know, to what you said there, he, him and Yuri Kulik are tied right now for five goals yes. each. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Isaac Howard's another player that's just been, I think, taking a lot of scouts' breaths away, essentially, in that yeah. sense, where people are just kind of going, whoa, who is this kid? I mean, obviously, Howard is on a lot of people's radars. He, in a lot of rankings, he's actually a, you know, a 20th to 32nd overall ranking. Um, yeah. That made no sense. Oh, wow. But you, <laughs> I think you understand what I meant. But, you know, he's, I think he's using this to really boost his draft stock. And mm-hmm. my, my dig with Canada is we just seem... I mean, people are going to come from my head, but we seem sloppy. Yeah, it, it just seems I saw that like, a lot in the U.S. It, game. I don't, I don't understand what we're doing wrong out there exactly, per se. Maybe somebody can, else can point out what the problem <laughs> is, but we just seem really sloppy. And if it wasn't for Reed Dick, oh, my God, oh. it would be like it would have been like eight to five with Czechia check, with today. Like, yeah, they had so many chances, and Reed Dick just bailed them out just time after time. Yeah, he had so, like 45 saves or something, 43. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, props to him. I mean, he's just, he's the backbone of that team right now. Um, and Connor Bedard, I mean, obviously, Connor Bedard's doing Bedard things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tanner Howe, former guest, he's having a great time there as well. But, you know, 
a couple of standout players for me on Canada right now, actually, is uh, I really like Rieger Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like his game. Uh, he's obviously off to college next year in Denver, going to go and try and, you know, win another NCAA championship with Denver. Of course, he didn't win it this year, but he's going to go there and win one. <laughs> and then, you know, the six with current Broncos players, um, you know, out of them, Josh Davies and Philman are looking really nice. Owen Pickering. I mean, yeah, he, he looks great out there. Yeah. Pickering's good. I like Josh Davies. I did a, I did a little piece on uh, the Broncos that were going to the tournament. And there were a few yep. that I, I did a bit more research on doing that article. And uh, Josh Davies is really on my radar now as being a guy that I really want, um, you know, someone like the Canucks to look at. Cause this is a guy that's again, undersized, but such a, a spark plug out there. And, and that's, you know, type type of player, obviously, if you've watched prospect corn, if you listen to this show, um, you know, I like those types of players. And so I really gravitate to, to him. Um, Josh Philman's another one, uh, yeah. really good. in that type of a, that type of a player, very hardworking. Um, one thing about Davies, he's a very slick player too. Like one thing, like he, from his foot, how he plays really remind me of Brad Marchand. Uh, you know, maybe not yeah. as highly high skilled, but it just reminds me of him, like an undersized guy, but gets under people's skin. So oh, I mean, yes. he's got over a hundred, hundred penalty minutes, 119. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he's I mean, not afraid to mix it up and he was doing it today. Uh, one of the Czechia defensemen, um, was giving him a hard time after a whistle and they were smacking each other around. And that guy had at least four inches on, on Davies there. Um, obviously I want him to succeed. We have the same last name. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> there, there's a couple of Davies in the, there's, I think there's two in the NHL. There's one in Nashville. And then yeah. I can't remember where the other one is, but there's two. So there, there's going to be another one. Be kind of cool. Um, uh, Braden Sherman guy kind of wanted to touch on, you know, he, kind of lit it up with Victoria. He was off to a really good start in November, December, January, he kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, he's really picking it up. Where do you have Sherman on your rankings? Ah, uh, Sherman. And then Matthew Ward as well. Obviously another player yeah. He's from Kamloops. Um, well, I like know, Matthew Ward. Yeah. He's an undersized kid, but you know, I think he has what it takes to succeed. You know, he's 5'8", 157 pounds. That's basically Cole Caulfield. Um, you know, and if I'm not comparing the player in the sense of skill, but you look at a guy like Caulfield who is that under 170 pounds and he's he is succeeding. I mean, he, he, he doesn't really get bumped off the puck too, too much, mainly because he gets up, he can make moves and get around and, yeah, no, completely right. fool the defenseman or forward, <laughs> but but you know I think the size is becoming less of an issue um, because even yeah, oh, like yeah. Josh Davies five ten one ninety six. I mean he's got the weight at least there to back up his size. In five ten's not short by any means, um, but it's interesting to just watch some of these WHL guys and obviously to watch the the six Swift Current Broncos. Yeah. Um, I'm ama- amazingly, I do not have him in my top 96. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So I, was just I have to look at that again. Cause I, I, when I did my, um, yeah, my, you know, that article and I'm like, why don't I, I haven't seen this guy. So I, I'm going to have to look at him a bit more. 
And, uh, but yeah, all those, I mean, again, the Broncos, they sure sent a few, quite a few players, even one for the 2023 draft um, as well. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to see how all these guys do now that, um, you know, from this tournament and see where they go into the, the rankings, the next one's coming up because uh, they are showing some, some things. We'll see what, uh, what happens after it. And yeah, that's just the thing. I was talking to a buddy of mine. Um, we were talking about this team specifically and how, you know, this team Canada in uh, it, it looks a little bit weaker compared to, you know, us and Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. But you look at last year's team and, and before we look at last year's team quickly, um, you know, this team is missing a lot of players. There's quite a few players like Kevin Korchinski, Denton Matejchuk, Matt Lindgren, um, Andrew Kristal. There's a handful of players that are missing from this tournament that would be playing for Canada if playoffs were not underway. Mm-hmm. You look at last year's team when COVID hit, or not COVID, when COVID hit, we COVID hit in 2020, but you look <laughs> at last year's team when we had the shortened seasons and we were blessed with a team that had guys like Wyatt Johnston, Dylan Genther, Connor Bedard, McTavish, Stan yeah. Coven. I mean, Shane Wright. And then you look at the defensemen with Matejchuk, Brant Clark, Corson Solomons, Nolan Allen, Olin Zellweger. I mean, that team was, was just, obviously going to yeah. go and win gold. I mean, they were just <laughs> an elite team. So I think, you know, it's people shouldn't be too, too hard on this team Canada per se. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously going to, I think they'll medal. I think I, my prediction is I think they can get, I think they can get gold. Um, sorry, no, I think they can get to the gold medal game, but yeah. that's going to be the tough one is if they have to play um, the United States in gold or however that works. It's just, it'll be interesting because this, this game against Czechia today, it just, I don't know, if they play that way in their next meeting in the quarterfinals, oh, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, the medal rounds, once the medal rounds go going, we'll see how it all shakes out because this is where all the strong teams are um, once they get there. So there won't be, you know, the lesser teams. So, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be telling to see how they do it because I think, I think they do have the team to, to win gold. Um, It's just, you know, the thing is like, I'm a little bit, like I predicted that they would win gold, but um, it's, it was going to be Canada, Sweden. And I thought the U S would be in the bronze medal game, but now watching the games they've played, they are much stronger than I thought. So, I mean, I'm, you know, on this show, I'm switching my prediction um, that I think the U S is going to be in there instead of Sweden. So, I mean, I, I like that just looking at just watching them. They just seem like they're such a dominant team. And some of the guys, like I didn't think how Howard was going to be, like I thought, no, he was a good player, and you know, I'm really impressed with what he did and the, you know what he's done and um, you know the NTDP. Uh, but you know, I didn't think he would be that dominant. And of course, we knew Logan Cooley was going to be good. Um, I was a little worried about their defense. I didn't think they had, you know, they didn't have very named defensemen on their blue line. So I thought maybe that was going to be a struggle and their goaltending wasn't, I wouldn't think either. So, I mean, but they're showing that they're, you know, they're outscoring a lot of, yeah. you know, Canada and I mean, Germany, I was an obvious one and Czechia has been really strong. So that, 
you know, they beat a pretty good team there quite handily as well. So we'll see how they do in the medal rounds. And I mean, now that Canada's played them, they know how they play. So I think the next game's going to be a lot closer. I think so too. I think we've, we've seen it in the world juniors and we've seen it in other tournaments too, where, um, where Canada even will blow out a team. And then yeah. the next time they meet up, it's, you know, it's a four to two game or a four to three game. I think, I think that's a good prediction for sure. I like, I like the switch with Sweden and us. That's good. Um, you know, my thing is if Reed Dick can stay hot and he can like just continue to do what he's doing. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's hard to not see Canada moving quickly yeah. through this tournament and getting to that gold medal game. Um, yeah. He really reminds me of like Devin Levi, that type of a yes. guy. Like he wasn't predicted to be, I thought Lalonde was going to be the starter. Yeah. Um, it seemed like that's the direction it was going. But now at Dick, what he did in, uh, you know, against Czechia here, I mean, ultimately lost, but they could have lost yeah. by a lot more, like you said. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. So we'll see how, how it all, but I think he's put his, like from the pro- top prospects game, uh, he put yeah. his name on the map. I think he's putting it even more on the map now. He could potentially be a guy that could move into like the fourth round or something rather than, you know, I thought maybe the sixth or seventh that someone would take a chance on him. But now I think he's like a third, fourth round pick, um, honestly. So we'll okay, see. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, they, I mean, they the central scouting has him ranked 26th for goalies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, he's a project goalie for sure. He got to go play at the top prospects game as well recently. Um, so he's just using these as, you know, stepping stones for his draft stock. It'll be uh, – It'll be it'll be interesting to see how his development pans out because I feel like he'll be a player that'll be invited to World Junior Summer yeah. Camp this year. Yeah, I agree for sure. Just in, considering what he's been able, or a goalie as a player, but he's a goalie <laughs> that'll be invited. But but yeah, I mean he he has that international experience and he's able to lock it down. I think in critical games, um, his record in Swift Currents not the best, but the team is not the best. Yeah. So I think that. <laughs> goes one and one with each other so yeah 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 we will uh well so now i'm going to talk about mark mark castellic's first nhl goal i mean we've talked about castellic before this guy's a favorite of mine um he was i tweeted it out he was a man amongst boys in the whl um congrats to him on his first nhl goal got into a little scrap right after i don't think (laughs) we've ever seen that before in the history of the nhl getting in your first goal and fight in <laughs> the same sequence. Uh, not his first NHL fight, but, you know, first NHL goal nonetheless. Um, you know, this is a guy who has become a fan favorite in Ottawa very quickly um, yeah. for just his his play style. I mean, 6-4, We've talked a bit about him before, like I said, so this is just, you know, repeat for everybody. Um, but you know, he was a captain with the Calgary Hitman for a couple of seasons there. He had a long junior career. And, you know, I think he really figured out his game in the last few years with Calgary and was able to understand that he had that power forward instinct, essentially, where, you know, he's that player that can drive the net hard and create um, create opportunities for other players. Yeah, so maybe like a like a Zach McEwen type player. Um, a little more offensive driven, I think, mm. though, considering he has 28 points in 63 games with Belleville. Um, but I mean, congrats to him. I mean, he's carved out a great path and he's he's now here in the NHL. 
And I think, I think Ottawa could use a player like him. Um, you throw him down on your fourth line. You let him be a guy that can go out there and get greasy goals for you, but also play that role of the bodyguard where players like Brady Kachuk can focus more on scoring. Um, Brady Kachuk should probably focus less on fighting. Yeah. And score because you look at what Matthew has done this season. Uh, I know we're going way off topic right now, but you look at what Matthew Kachuk has done this season and putting up a hundred points. It's because he stopped his, his bullshit antics. He's he dumbed it down enough that he was able to become a disciplined hockey player. And sure he gets in scrums and he gets into his crap with players all the time. Um, But he understands there's a time and place for it. Yeah, probably um, the quietest 100 point player. <laughs> exactly. And that's I didn't too, think, right? I'm like, what? He had 100 points? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So he hits 100 points, and just people are just like, and this is that's it. People, so many people are shocked because he's such a shit disturber that he shouldn't be doing that. But there he is doing it. So I think, you know, Mark Costella can provide Ottawa with some, mm-hmm. you know, some leeway and allow guys like Brady Kachuk to focus on scoring, allow Josh Norris to get up there more and, you know, continue to score goals. I mean, Josh Norris has 30 goals. He could be, he could score 40 next year. Yeah. Um, you, these types of players are needed. And we've talked about this before. It's a, it's a dead drum that I keep beating, mm-hmm. but I mean, these players are very well needed and they, they have a role. And they're not just um, goons is the word that people like to use. They're not that though. You know, they, they can play a penalty kill role and they're able to play defensively. And I think that's one trait that a lot of these guys have is they understand the defensive side of the game and they know how to, they know how to do it. And it'll be interesting to see what Ottawa does though. Of course they have Austin Watson. They've got a couple other guys who are, you know, can run around and do this, but I think Mark Kostelik really does fit their bill perfectly he's got that great size and he's got that offensive capability i mean in his 2018-19 at 47 goals i mean <laughs> it's not bad in the whl <laughs> but i think he does he can definitely uh, fill a role in ottawa like we've said before and um i think he could i think potentially he could be a you know a 10 goal scorer at one point um you yeah. know that that type of guy that puts it pots in 10 and uh, still plays a role in your penalty kill and, uh, you know, stands up for teammates as that type of guy that, you know, you know, guy goes and uh, takes on a skill player and he's there to kind of back them up. So um, I think you could definitely be that type of guy. And like you said, you have to be um, that way if you want to play in the NHL now. And, you know, if you want to be that type of player, you've got to be able to play defensively and play a regular shift because, yeah. You know, if a coach can say, well, I don't feel comfortable playing you even five minutes, you, sh- you shouldn't be in the NHL. So <laughs> not like before when you have guys that would just play two, three minutes a night and be out there just to drop the gloves, which yep. I mean, there's quite a few of those. Oh, there was handfuls of those. I mean, just the stories of guys even um, that I've heard who have who fought their way to get onto a WHL team. Literally show up to training camp and fight guys just to make the team. I mean, it's just chaotic. Like so that's how that hockey is over. And you know, a guy like Timmy Stutzel would probably very appreciate uh, having Mark Kostelik around twenty four seven because Stutzel gets bullied out there. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so we'll wrap that up. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the WHO playoffs and then we'll talk more about the awards. Um, this is a longer episode. So if you guys are still here, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thank- <laughs> um, but the WHL playoffs, I mean, the Blazers took a three, nothing lead on Spokane. Uh, holy frick. I mean, nine, nothing was the first game. I mean, yeah. I know I talk a lot about the Blazers, but like, holy cow, like they just outwork Spokane and I felt bad for Spokane in that game <laughs> specifically. Um, at least I will give Spokane a lot of credit. These last two games, they really did come out and they had a lot more effort. It actually seemed the Blazers backpedaled in that sense where the Blazers went, okay, we know what we're doing here. And they kind of just, you know, let off the gas a little bit. Um, Seattle and Kelowna has just been, holy cow, that's been an awesome series to pay attention to. Um, it's actually going a way that I didn't think it was going to go. Seattle seems to be dominating. Um, yeah, but you know, Kevin Korczynski is so good. Oh my God. And he's Thomas Millich. In, he's up in his draft ranking even more. In the yeah. So far here. And I mean, Lucas Fishkovsky is just lighting things up there for them. Um, Vancouver and Everett's been great. Uh, those are just the Western matches. I mean, we'll, we're going to talk more about the Eastern matches um, in another episode. There's, there's a lot that we have to get to in this episode. And we don't want it to be a three hour long episode considering <laughs> the interview that we have lined up. Um, but what, what have you, have you paid attention over the weekend? I mean, it was a crazy weekend. Yeah, I was watching a bit, uh, you know, seeing what, what some of the Canucks prospects were doing, like RCD Baines, he's scored already, uh, which is, you know, they're one, one in their series. And we'll talk more about that, the, that side of the ledger later, but you know, the Vancouver Everett series, I was surprised Vancouver won the first game because I said, well, actually, so maybe not because I predicted it was going to seven. So yep, you did. Uh, so I mean, Vancouver's doing what they thought they would do and give them a challenge. So you know they they won that first game a lot more scoring than I thought it was going to be, and and just those highlights just started. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, looking at Adam Hall, like he was he was just lights out in that game, the uh, hat yeah. trick. Um, you know, and Lysel had a had like four points. So <laughs> he's already showing up and Ostapchuk was really good. Three assists. So all their big boys came to play in that game. And uh, I was surprised to see that. So it's, I thought Vancouver was going to win, you know, win a game. I didn't think they were going to win the first one. So it's, it's great. And of course, Everett comes back and, and rebounds <laughs> and gets their pound of flesh with that seven to three <laughs> uh, one. So I think it's going to be that it's going to be going that back and forth. I think that's, what's going to happen. It's just going to be like pound, you know, punch, punch each way. So it's going to be a fun series to watch if this is how it's going to go. But yeah, that, that, that was the one I was kind of watching. I'm actually really surprised that, that Cam loops is dominating so much. I think I'm pretty sure I predicted a, a four, one. Um, yeah. You series. predicted five games. Yeah. So hopefully they can uh, win one here and <laughs> prediction. Right. But uh I think most of the series are going as planned. Um, you know, all the top seeds are are most for the most part, except for those two tie series, they're all up to nothing or three nothing in countless case. Um, they're all winning. So the lower seeds haven't come to play yet, um, except for maybe Vancouver. And Brandon put up a fight in their second game as well. So um, they did. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this. That was a really tight game, two one in overtime. So um, we'll see how that all goes out because uh, 
yeah, it, it's been an interesting uh, few games. That that's for sure. It has been. I I was not able to attend either of the games that the Blazers played. Unfortunately, I was trying to get out there, but I wasn't able to. Uh, what was weird to me is I thought they changed the uh, the playoff format for some reason because they were playing three home games. The Blazers were, and I was like, "Why are we playing three home games? Like, isn't it isn't it two and twos? And I guess there's a Paul McCartney concert in Spokane, so they had to. Yeah. They had to play an extra game in Kamloops and then go back to Spokane. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah, that but, I, I mean, almost messed up uh, when I was doing the schedule and the articles. I put it like the normal one. Yeah. And then I'm looking like, wait, why does it say it's three home games? So yeah, that, that, makes it, sense. that makes sense. Confused a lot of people. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people were like, what is going on here? But I mean, they've just dominated. I, I give, you know, obviously I'm a big bandwagon for the Blazers, but you know, all, all things aside, Spokane, I, I really didn't expect this. I, um, like I said, though, all props to Spokane, the last two games, they've come out just barreling. And if they can, they can take that energy from the last two games and take that home crowd advantage um, for game four, I think they could actually get that game. And I think if they're going to win a game, it is this next one. Yeah. Well, they have to, what they the have heck? to, or they're done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, the, you know, that's the one they're going to win, but I think if, you know, they'll win this and then I think it comes back and the Blazers take game five and it's over. Um, but I mean, talk about a dagger in the heart for the Spokane chiefs, your former player, Luke Toporowski has eight points and he picked <laughs> yeah. up four of those in one game. I mean, Oh man. And then look um, at uh, five goals. Look yeah. at Stan Coven's goal there uh, showing off his complete, you know, basically his complete game of what he is. That, oh, just know, tenacity. The, and yes, you know, you don't, you do not, uh, you know, try to get by him and, and think that he's not going to come back and try to get it back from you. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he's been all over the WHL's highlight reel this weekend. Holy cow. The amount of St. Coven tweets I saw from them showing off highlight reels. I mean, I love it. I'm such a fan um all the haters that doubt him i mean he's just putting them to rest 10 points in three games he leaves he leaves the entire i think he leaves the entire well, he leaves the entire wh i don't know how the chl works um so i won't even say that i would just be lying <laughs> but i mean five goals as well for luke toporowski and then on to other things though too nico hutan and i mean yeah this oh i've seen a couple other people now finally jumping in on him too i mean We've, we've talked about it before, but at Tampa Bay lightning prospect, he's got six points, you know, that Everett team is deadly because of him. Yeah. So, I mean, it, three goals it, already. It, <laughs> yeah. And then Kevin Korchinski, he's got six points as well for Seattle. I mean, he's doing wonders. Uh, the one series that I thought would kind of go back and forth, um, Portland. Well, I didn't think it would go back and forth because I did predict it before nothing. I did yeah. predict Portland would sweep Prince George. But then when I got th- after we recorded that and I got thinking, I thought maybe it would go back and forth because Prince George was kind of, you know, Tyler Brennan could have had that hot streak and, you know, uh, avenging Prince George. And, you know, it's him versus Gautier, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, your mentor. But I mean, Portland's just been so dominant too. two nothing series lead for them. Um, and Taylor Gautier has been un- unreal for Portland. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, it it's been the guys that I we thought was going were going to dominate have have done it. So uh, I thought Stan Coven was going to be amazing, and you know, because of how he finished the season, um, 
you know, Baines and King have gone a little bit slow. I mean, they're not as not scoring at the prolific rate they were, yeah. um, but they've got their points and, uh, you know, and Korczynski's showing off what, what he can do. Uh, so it's good. It's fun. It's fun so far. And there's just so, so much to go. So <laughs> there, there is. And <laughs> you look at um, Fabian Lizell too, six assists. Yeah. I mean, he's leading that. So, I mean, good for him. Um, it's, it, this is exciting. It's exciting hockey. And, you know, it, you see the dominance from these teams, like some of these teams, obviously, and the next round of playoffs. Oh, it's so, I'm so excited. Like just the matchups that you're going to see between probably Winnipeg and Moose Jaw in the East, but then, you know, on the West, you're going to see probably Kamloops in Portland, or you're going to see Vancouver and Seattle, maybe, or, you know, maybe Kelowna completes the comeback. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about playoffs is yep. you can be up three, nothing and a team can reverse sweep you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that, you know, we'll touch more on the playoffs, obviously, as things move forward. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about WHL awards and then we will get off to the interview. Um, so the finalists and award nominations were all listed. Uh, obviously, we did our own predictions. Um, so we were kind of a little wrong on, uh, on a couple of them. Um, so that's OK. Um, I specifically was very wrong on uh, the Scholastic Player of the Year, I think it was. There was a couple that I, I didn't understand, um, but we'll take a look at these. So we for the WHL Player of the Year finalists, um, we have Logan Stankoven from the Kamloops Blazers, Ben King from the Red Deer Rebels, Connor Bedard from the Regina Pats, and Owen Zellweger from the Everett Silvertips. I think Stankoven takes it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe that too. Especially yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you know, I know that they don't take into account playoffs. Um, because just as a regular season, but what he did in the regular season, like we've said before, how 103 points for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'll run through these and Matthew and I'll just kind of quickly chat about who uh, we think is the nomination. Um, so WHL defenseman of the year uh, nominees are Gannon LaRock for the Victoria Royals, Caden Gooley from the Edmonton Oil Kings, Denton Matejchuk from the Moose Jaw Warriors and Olin Zellweger as well from the Everett Silvertips. My vote, um, if I got to vote, uh, my vote goes to Denton Matejchuk. Yeah, I, I go Matejchuk too. I mean, you know, Olin Zellweger has been really good too. Yes. Yes. But, uh, I love Matejchuk. I, he's just, it, I really hope that he drops to where the Canucks could pick him. I don't care if he's not a right-hand defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope the Canucks take him too. That's all, that's the only guy I want. Like, that's... Eh. He would be a perfect fit with Quinn Hughes. And not even just that. He'd be such a perfect fit on that Canucks team. And, I mean, we so badly need defensemen in that pipeline. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. So, so hoping, you know, a guy like Matejchuk would be just so beneficial. I mean, we have obviously there's Rathbone, but Matejchuk would be great. Um, and you, he's also a rookie. I mean, that's the, or not, not a rookie, sorry, but he's also, um, you know, a draft eligible. And so he's 17 in comparison to where Zellweger is a, a year older. Yeah. Um, and same with Gouli and LaRock. So I think that's kind of what you take into account as well as Matejchuk's putting up these dominant um, numbers at a younger age. Too. That's right. That, that's right. Yeah. I mean, Zellweger's been, like I said, amazing, but he's do- doing it a year older, which yeah. I mean, is expected. You should be. Yeah. I dominate a bit more. So WHL goaltender of the year nominees, uh, 
Dylan Garan from the Camelot Blazers, Sebastian Costa from the Edmonton Oil Kings, Daniel Hauser from the Winnipeg Ice, and Taylor Gautier from the Portland Winterhawks. I like that Gautier got the nod for it. Um, yeah. Just because of what he was able to do in those final couple months with Portland um, was just incredible, obviously. It would have been nice to see Nolan Meyer maybe get a mm-hmm. get the nod too for the East, but I understand Daniel Hauser. <clears throat> excuse me. I understand Daniel Hauser getting it. So I think, you know, for my vote though, it's, I mean, obviously there's bias. It's hard for me not to go for Grand, but I'm actually going to go for Daniel Hauser. I think they, you just look at what that, you know, obviously you take into account, and we talked about it last week in our predictions, you take into account the team, uh, yeah. what's in front of you. But I, I, it's just hard. Like, I know that if you take Dylan Grand away from Camelops, Camelops is, um, you know, they're struggling. But, you know, Hauser put up some just fantastic numbers this year, and his record is just mind-boggling. So I think the nod goes to Hauser, just and mainly based off of Winnipeg being the number one team in the league. So, yeah, it's it's probably going to go to him. I, you know, even though Costa didn't have a really good season by you know everyone's standards, um, you know, I think he definitely deserves the nomination because his numbers weren't horrible. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think Hauser's probably the guy that'll that'll win it. Um, because of, you know, the team he's on and how good they are. And, um, you know, you can't discount Garand like we talked about. Um, you know, he's basically, you know, Kamloops MVP, one of his their MVPs. Um, yeah. It's next to Stan Coven and Toporowski's in there too, because he's been so good. Um, but yeah, it, it, he probably would, you know, again, all these guys deserve the nominations, but I think Powers are probably going to win it too. Uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'd be, it, I'd like for them to take playoffs into account, but it's, it's obviously hard to do that. Well, especially um, when some of them aren't there, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. That's, well, not that's all. Different. Well, all there are there. All those yeah, I guess they all are there. But, yeah. So, but still, nonetheless, though, you, other awards, though, other you know, players aren't there and it's hard to take into account. Um, WHL rookie of the year. Uh, so Andrew Kristoff from the Kelowna Rockets, Owen Pickering from the Swift Current Broncos, Braden Yeager from the Moose Jaw Warriors, and Kevin Korchinski from Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, if you if if I sounded confused yeah, at the boy. end there, it's because I'm trying to figure out why Mathis Savoy's name's not on the list because he's listed as a rookie on the WHL website. But that's weird. Uh, so I'm gonna go well, with my vote. Weird, yeah, yeah <laughs> huh? My vote's gonna go with Kevin Korchinski. Yeah, I'm leaning there. Um, Pickering deserves that um, a shout out, though. I mean, what he's yeah. doing now and now at the under 18s. Um, so I mean, that go. Of course, that doesn't that doesn't get taken into account. But I mean, you're looking at Korchinski's what he's doing in the playoffs now. Um, what he did in the regular season, it, it's just he's been he's been really good. And again, are- there's another guy I think the Canucks should look at if he drops to around them. Um, yeah. but it doesn't look like it. I think he may he may go in that top 10, like everyone that some some ranking sites are putting him at. We're uh, we're pretty blessed um to be able to watch these guys right now in the WHL, guys like Kevin Korchinski and Denton Matejchuk putting up these incredible numbers as defensemen. Um, Olin Zellweger, obviously another guy to give a nod to. It's yeah, it's exciting hockey. Um, I, I I really like Kevin Korchinski. Um, 
uh, I'm a bigger fan of Denton Matejchuk, yeah, but obviously still a fan of Korchinski. I love his game. He's got some smooth skating. Holy cow, that guy can move. Um, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's my vote. Uh, WHL Humanitarian of the Year Award. Uh, we'll just quickly run through this. Logan Stankoven from the Countless Blazers, Luke Procrop from the Edmonton Oil Kings, Connor Geeky from the Winnipeg Ice, and Graham Sward from the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, my vote is Luke Procop. He's done a lot for the outside of the game. Um, he's a great player, uh, great leader in the locker room in the Edmonton Oil Kings, but he's done a lot outside of the game, obviously. Um, coming out um, last summer or earlier this year, my apologies if I got that wrong. But he's done a lot for the game and done a lot for the community of Edmonton. So, and and even when he was playing for the Calgary Hitmen, he did a lot for them. Um, he was obviously a, a part of fundraisers and a part of the community there. So my vote goes to him. Um, I've heard a lot about him and his connection with the Nashville Predators and the Nashville Predators. Um, just they have so many good things to say about him. So yeah. that's my vote. Yeah, I don't know a lot about all the other background of all those players, so I'm just going to uh, go with the same pick as you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I have heard his name uh, around in that aspect with the Predators, and, and that's why when you said his name, I'm like, well, I do, I have seen that. So um, obviously all these guys were nominated for a reason. They're, they yeah. all have done stuff off the ice, and that's what's great about these guys, that uh, they're going to continue doing that when they get to the NHL level. Um, at a bigger rate because they'll be having more money to throw around. Right. So yeah. Um, congrats, you know, props to them because they, we need a lot more hockey players doing that. Not saying not all of them don't, but I mean, there's a lot that don't. So yeah, there, um, there's a yeah. certain stigma that does surround hockey players in a sense. Um, you know, we don't have to go down that road, obviously it's a touchy no. subject, but <laughs> you know, there, it's, it's nice to see people go out of their way. Um, and I think, you know, those guys obviously all have done stuff. I know Stankoven does a lot in Camels. Like, he donates blood and does stuff like that here. Um, he does stuff with elementary schools and gives back. So, I mean, it's it's great to see everybody give back to communities. I, mean, I remember being – I remember growing up and being um, in elementary school, and the Blazers would come to our school and do presentations, and they would read books with the class. Yeah. And it it's really cool to see that. And they, they still do that, do that to this day across the yeah. entire CHL. So it's awesome to see. Um, moving on though, WHL's most sportsmanlike player nominee. Um, I skipped scholastic player, uh, but the WHL's most sportsmanlike is uh, nominations are Logan Stankoven from the Counts Blazers, Dylan Genther from the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kyle Cernkovich from the Saskatoon Blades and Jackson Berezowski from the Everett Silvertips. My vote goes to Logan Stankoven. Uh, Stankoven was the most so the funny thing is, is the most sportsmanlike is I, when we did our predictions last week, I had other players uh, listed off, but I guess the kind of the way they do it is they base it off of your high skilled players and the lowest amount of penalty minutes, which makes way more sense than yeah. how I had it thought out in my head. So <laughs> I think it's staying Coven though, because that, you know, the 103 points and the minimal penalty minutes, I can't think of the penalty minutes off the top of my head, but uh, my vote goes to staying Coven. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, he's a guy that doesn't shy away from that. Um, yes. You know, he's physical. He's always in guys' faces. And uh, it's interesting why he doesn't have more penalty minutes, which is a testament to him. He doesn't um, he doesn't engage in that type of stuff, especially the little calls like the minors and all that, like those hooking, holding, um, yep. you know, those types. So yeah it's, it's interesting yeah. especially the way like if he wasn't that type of player you'd be like well you know of course he's not going to take penalties he doesn't do that 
Um, yep. He only has 16 no, penalty minutes. <laughs> so. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, and and there you go. It's such a minimal amount of penalty minutes called for a player like him. And, you know, playing the top minutes that he plays, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, that that discipline is there for him for sure. Yeah, and he had only 10 um back in 2019 20 so yeah he knows what he's he knows what he's doing (laughs) that's the thing though i mean i like that because he is he is that uh agitator in the sense where he's not afraid to shy away from people and i mean him and bear hughes kind of got into it um the other night and then drew anglock came to st coven's rescue thank god um (laughs) yeah jace but yeah i mean it's i love those types of players um you know the st coven's the marchands um it's it's exciting to watch. Um, so moving on, though, WHL Coach of the Year, Chris Mellett from the from the Kelowna Rockets, Steve Connell Walchuk, former NHLer from the Red Deer Rebels, James Patrick from the Winnipeg Ice, and Dennis Williams from the Everett Silvertips. Uh, I predicted James Patrick. That's my vote again. Yeah, I, I, I Steve Con- Connell Walchuk, uh, I think deserves that. Uh, I'm going to say Connell Walchuk gets this one. Uh, well, it's also his first year. Yeah, isn't it? So yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll change my vote. I change it. I change it. It's I'm changing it to Connor Walchuk. Um, WHL executive of the year. I'm just going to skip that. Um, but, you know, I think the executive, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip it, but I'm going to just make my vote without telling you who it is. Brent Sutter. Just because yeah. it's Brent. Oh, just yeah. it's Brent Sutter. I mean, <laughs> it's hard not to like Brent Sutter and the Sutter family. Um, yeah. What the Red Deer Rebels have been able to do is something that, you know, the culture that the Red Deer Rebels has is what I love. I I think it's awesome that, you know, the Sutters run that team and they have for, a, you know, 20 years now. And, you know, he's got it. Brent's got his sons involved now and nephews involved. And it's really cool because you look at, you know, what the Hunters have done with the London Knights um, and the other kind of culture like teams that are around. It's, you know, it, 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 it's an attraction is the word I was trying to yeah. get out of my mouth. It's an attraction. How, who wouldn't want to go play for Brent Sutter and Steve Connor Waltrek? There's a yeah. lot of players that would love to go and do that. I mean, there's so much knowledge there between those two guys. Yeah, it's a well-run organization too. Um, yeah, they go out and find the right players too. Like you know, they well, Baines for, and King. Yeah, there you go, right there. So I mean, they, they go out and, and find players and and get them into yeah, like you said, the culture that is very strong there and. Um, you know, you draft a guy out of that system, you're probably, you're getting a really good hardworking, they know the value of hard work. And, um, that's just evident, uh, throughout and not just like, not just the Red Deer Rebels, but like you talk about the hunters at the London Knights there, there's another, mm-hmm. um, prolific, uh, franchise that just keeps churning out NHL players. And yeah. I mean, the Blazers used to be that team back in the 90s. And when they would, they pumped out, I mean, Sador and Tyson Nash and Tucker and Aginla and Niedermeyer and Shane Doan and holy cow, the list could go on. Scotty Upshaw, Colton Orr. Um, I mean, Brad Lukowicz. I, I could keep going. But you know what I mean? Like, it's those types of cultures where they have those, I, I think they're, they're great because it's an attraction for players and look at what the Chicago steel are doing. I mean, completely off topic, but they just signed, they signed Macklin Celbrini, uh, the number one pick in the WHL draft. And he's not coming to the WHL now. And then they signed Matthew Hegg, a top prospect for the OHL draft this year, who is now going to the Chicago steel in the United States hockey league. So that's another team that's building that culture 
And what, I mean, they've had Adam Fentili and Matthew Coronado. Uh, it's crazy. Junior hockey is just excelling all over. I love it. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. And like, that's why we love this uh, juniors um, and, and the teams in and the players. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in. I know this is a long episode, so uh, check out our links down below. Of course, if you are listening on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe if you're not already. Let us know in the comments as well uh, what you guys want to hear and who you want to see on. Um, check out our links as well to our articles with both the Canucks Army and the hockey writers. Uh, thank you guys again for taking the time out of your day to listen and enjoy the interview. Well, everyone, it's my privilege to bring on our next guest. This player won three Memorial Cup championships with the Kamloops Blazers during the 1990s, and he went on to play 374 games in the National Hockey League with the St. Louis Blues and Phoenix Coyotes. Nowadays, you can hear him calling play-by-play for the Arizona Coyotes. Please welcome to the Western Centric Podcast, Tyson Nash. So How are you doing? How are you doing? We're good. It's good. a privilege to have you on. Um, so we like to start things off with like back in your WHL days, obviously. Um, that's what our podcast is focused around. Uh, so y- when you joined the Blazers, you weren't drafted, hey? Uh, no, that, that kind of dates me a little bit. We had, uh, what do we have? The, uh, the, you had to be listed. So okay. I was, I was considered a, a listed player, I believe, back then. And uh, I was listed back when I was 13, if you can believe it. Oh, Wow. <laughs> that that's crazy um so like i heard a lot about back then you had to fight your way to get on these rosters was that something you kind of had to get yourself into or you had enough offensive skill you were able to slot yourself in well believe it or not i, I you'd be surprised i was actually pretty good back back then when i was uh when i was younger um, you were yeah yeah <laughs> 13 i think you took up like three or four spots on the uh on the on the list which was uh I don't know how big that list was, but I'd heard it wasn't very big. So um, they had to make sure that you were uh, you were the one and you were certainly going to be a player. Um, so Kamloops took a chance on me. Um, but then as I kind of developed, I remember when I went there and I played as a 15 year old. So I got called up out of school. Uh, I was in high school and I'll never forget the phone rang on the wall and I picked it up. And my teacher was like, it's for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it happened to be uh, uh, Vern Dubinsky, which I think at the time was our head scout with the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, and he said, uh, pack up your school books. Uh, we're heading to Regina. You're, <laughs> you're playing for the Kamloops Blazers tonight. So he picked me up a few minutes later. We uh-huh. made the trek out uh, through a snowstorm uh, to Regina from Shore Park, Alberta. And uh, that's kind of my first taste of uh, the Western Hockey League. That that's awesome. That's such a cool story. Uh, so you got to play in like your first few games. What was your welcome to the WHL moment? Well, I, I remember I was all nervous and excited all at the same time. Cause I was like, Oh man, I got to wear a visor. Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it turned out that I wasn't allowed cause you're, you're an underage and you're not on a yeah. contract. Uh, they don't have a dental plan for you. I guess all that, all that <laughs> stuff that comes into play. So um obviously you're wearing the fishbowl or the the cage out there so you're kind of a a moving target everyone knows exactly who you are how old you are um 
but I'll, I'll never forget. I was so intimidated walking onto that bench. I think they were halfway through the first period at that point, by the time we got there. Uh, and I just slid right under the bench. Tom Rennie was coaching. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was, it was a, it was a real, uh, I guess a growing experience just because mm-hmm. you're a 15 year old kid. You're playing with yeah. there's, some of these guys are 21 years old, 20 years old. Yeah. And they're, they're men, you know, and you're, yeah. you're in the shower after the game and you're like, Oh my God, you know, you're <laughs> a 15 year old little kid. So it's yep. like, you know, it was, it was a ton of fun, but uh, obviously a lot to learn. Um, and I think it's important because then you realize you're like, all right, I want to get here. I want to be a star in this league, man. I got a long way to go. I got to put up some size. I got to put on some mm-hmm. strength. Uh, I got to work on my shot and my skating. <laughs> so it was, it was a great experience. So you got to play with like Daryl Sador, Mike Mathers, Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, what were those guys like? You know, they were in their final year there as you kind of came in and you guys went on to win that Memorial Cup. What was what was that like playing with them? Well, it was so fortunate as a young kid, you, you come in and, you know, you're my roommate was Zach Boyer and Daryl Sador. So you're like, yeah. does it get any better than this? <laughs> Daryl Sador yeah. through the season came back from the L.A. Kings. And, you know, he's driving me around in his brand new Mustang, five, five liter, you know, he let me drive every once in a while. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm like hanging out with an NHL player and, and Zach Boyer as well. He wasn't too far off. Um, he spent some time with the Dallas stars, uh, you know, back in the day as well. So I yeah, was, he was good. Yeah. to first of all, live with those guys uh, and mm-hmm. watch them on the daily and, and how they functioned, how they worked. Uh, you know, how they took care of their bodies, even back then, um, you know, and how they had fun as well, how you balance, you know, playing so hard and trying to, you know, make sure you're ready so you can live out your dream and get drafted and do all those things, but yet still enjoying, you know, junior hockey, because I, I think there has to be a balance there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of kids that don't have success, they can't ever find that balance. It's uh, it's an up and down roller coaster. It's the mental game. Um, and then as far as the rest of the team goes, I mean, you got Scott Niedemeyer, you got Craig Bonner, you got Mike Mathers. I mean, all these guys, Corey Hurst was our goaltender. These guys all went on to have unreal NHL careers. Uh, but for a young kid at 16 to, you know, get a play with those guys, go to the Memorial Cup in my first year. Uh, yeah. And then we had three, uh, you know, 16 year olds on that team with Darcy Tucker and Ryan Husk and myself. Yep. So we're all yeah. kind of going through the same emotions and the same growing pains and the same things as players. So it was nice to have that as well. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, Tucker, that was his first year. And I mean, that next year he went on and just exploded in the WHL with 140 points. Yeah. Um, just crazy. <laughs> in his second year, did he really? No. Yeah. Yeah. 100, 140 points. He led the way. You had 58 points in 65 games. That was the, oh, that was 94 Memorial Cup. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so you're out. Jumped, ahead. Year. He was, he was jumped a year ahead. Yeah. yeah. I jumped a little I bit ahead. Because but. I'll tell you what, when we were 16, we yeah. used to fight each other. We would <laughs> and fight everything and anything that moved. I remember Darcy Tucker fought Daryl Sador in practice one time because we were in Ooh. and out of the lineup. We, we right. were never a sure thing that we were going to yeah. play that night. So yeah. we would run around and hit everything that moved. We would have a fight almost every day in practice <laughs> with the Blazers. That's how intense our practices were. Tom Rennie was our coach, but it was more, 
uh, Don Hay, who kind of got us all yeah. amped up and like, you want to play? Well, you better show us what you can do. You know, <laughs> so every day it was like do or die. And people thought we were absolute idiots because we, you know, <laughs> we just went out there. It was like game day every day for us. But I'll tell you what, it, it paid dividends. And clearly for Darcy Tucker, I mean, this guy went on to be a, a superstar in the Western Hockey League. I think he scored 60 goals one year, but mm -hmm. he started out playing that way. So he also yeah. could do that and he could score. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's important, especially, you know, you, even back then in today's game, there's a lot of players that are able to play both those roles, guys like Lucic and Nick Delorier, and they can play a bit of offense, defense, and also play that fighter type role. It's, I love it. But yeah. there's also a lot of players that can't play that role because yep. they're spoon fed their entire careers. They got their agents, they got their parents. Oh, my kid yep. should be on the power play. should be on the number one line. Well, what happens when your kid's not on the number one line? Yeah. What, what happens when, because it's going to happen, because you don't just yep. go to the NHL unless you're a superstar. And no. you're yeah. going to, you should get stuffed on the fourth line. You should go to the American yeah. Hockey League and pay your dues. So how do you play then? How, I mean, we got a guy on our team, Barrett Hayden. That's, that was his biggest issue. He was the captain of Team Canada. This guy was a superstar. He comes to the Arizona Coyotes and he doesn't know what to do when Rick Tockett puts him on the fourth line or third yeah. line. And he doesn't yep. know how to play. Well, yep. he's evolved now and he has figured it out big time, but mm -hmm. it took him some time. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of players that are gonzo if they, if yeah. they don't figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll let Matthew ask you a few questions here. Yeah. Just going off that, uh, it, you know, it's, it's huge when, um, you know, guys playing and dominating the, the Western hockey league or junior leagues, then they go to the NHL and, like you said, it's, they have a hard time playing, right? It's, you know, they're used to being that superstar guy that plays 20 minutes a night, first power play and all that. So I definitely know where you're coming from there. And that's why I say what players like, like yourself, you know, go on to an NHL career and you find a role and um, playing on the third and fourth lines. And, you know, you find that role rather than just being a goal scorer, you're that role player, which, you know, is really huge. So um, yeah. Uh, you know, your 94 Memorial Cup was your first, like you guys won back-to-back -back <laughs> Memorial Cups there with a lot of great players. And uh, in 95, uh, arguably the greatest junior team assembled. So you guys had, you know, you had the 94 and they going 95 back-to-back. -back. You guys were the host, right? So what was the locker room like when you came back um, for that 95 uh, edition? Well, it was incredible because, you know, for the three 16-year-olds, myself, Huska, and, and Tucker, our first year, we, we were really nobodies on the team. Um, in fact, I don't think me or Tucker played in the final game when they actually won it. We ran out on the ice um, like a bunch of donkeys in our suits, sliding <laughs> all, all over the ice. And uh, so there was that moment. And then we didn't make the playoffs the next year, I believe. Mm -hmm. So... The next year we went to Laval, that was actually yep. the, the real big one for us because right. it was our coming out party. It was our draft years. It was like, okay, this is our team now. We've been there as 16-year-olds, and we had a lot of 17- and 18-year-olds on the team that um, were great players as well. And we were like, this is this is our time to shine. We are now the Zach Boyers. We are now the Daryl Sidors and Scott Niedemeyers. So what are we going to do with this opportunity? And um to have a real big impact uh, at that time as, as 18 year olds was, was so important. And then, you know, you go to 95 and we're hosting the thing and we're like, all right, we're hosting it. We're automatically into the Morrow cup. 
But yep. that's not how we're getting in. We are getting in legit. We are going to run the table. We are going to steamroll teams. And that's exactly what we did. We ran through the league, uh, ran through the regular season, the playoffs. We dominated. And we went into that Memorial Cup with our fans in our back pocket, the whiteout, the rink. Um, <laughs> our team that we had was an absolute joke. I mean, you could put, I, you could arguably put up that team against some teams back in the day we used to joke in fact we did it we had during the lockout we were like you know what it's going to be the blazers in a charity game versus all the other <laughs> nhl alumni and we actually we competed scott niedemeyer came back for it mark recce came back for it. jerome mcginla like we had like legitimate we got a bunch of hall of famers that yep. were on that can't lose blazer team you know yeah so, um anyway it was that 95 was special because you know my my family was there mm -hmm. uh, they were staying in a campground just down the down the road so after every game i'd go there and hang out and it was just a a wonderful time as a junior hockey player i, I don't think it gets any better than that that's that's awesome yeah. i i'm from kamloops uh, my grandparents had season tickets back then um they know of you i have like memorial cup shirts and stuff signed <laughs> by you guys it's pretty cool um to like look back and you played with like a ginla and hanat dominicelli who's like was an insane hockey player back in his junior days uh shane Doan, brad lukowicz i mean that team like we've talked about was the one of the greatest teams ever assembled for junior hockey um and then playing with guys like jason strudwick and bob westerby who kind of controlled and policed the game what was it like being out there with all those guys every night it was, it was incredible just because every game we went into, you know, no matter what the score was, we're like, we're, we're going to win. It's that simple. Yeah. We're, we're going to win. We're down yeah. four, nothing. doesn't matter. Let's go boys. Let's let, let's go. I mean, it was just, and I'll tell you the other thing is that when you win, I don't care what level you're at, when mm -hmm. you win those teams and those bonds that you create, they last a lifetime. Like yeah. we still hang out. We still go back to Kamloops. We have a, uh, tons of alumni events back there, uh, a golf tournament every year, and it's not forgotten. And those yeah. relationships, I mean, are so special because we went through what we went through together. We were in the locker room, the inside jokes, the stories that we created, the, the bus trips, uh, as hellish as they all were. <laughs> I mean, we had fun because we won every night. So yeah. Yeah. after every game, we'd get in our sleeping bags and tuck under the under the seats on the on the Greyhound bus. And we'd be ripping each other. We'd be chirping each other. We'd go after Don Hay. We'd attack uh, Bob Brown a little bit. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was just what it's all about. We had so much fun, but only because we won. And uh, again, you know, Nolan Baumgartner, Scott Ferguson, Jason Strudwick, uh, Bob Westerby, uh, Mike Josephson. We had so many guys in those two years that, that got, I think we had like 10 or 11 guys get drafted the one year. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy. I remember uh, looking back and just all the guys that went on to play the in the NHL. It's a dynasty team. Um, you have any funny Don Hay stories? Oh, no, I don't know. Oh man, there is there is lots. There is lots. And you know what's incredible that he's still coaching. Yeah. Yes. My son plays in the in the Western Hockey League at Leftbridge. Yep. Yep. Don Hay, it was nice because Don Hay never really liked me all that much. I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty hard on me. I know there was, you know, after the fact, you hear the stories and there was times where he wanted me out of there. He wanted to trade, get me traded because, you know, for whatever reason. And Bob Brown was like, nope, we're keeping him. This guy is important to us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But 
he found out my kid was on, on the Lethbridge Hurricanes and he went down to the locker room and he hung outside the door and, you know, he wanted to meet my son and introduced himself. And I don't know, it's just first class, you know, like that, that, yeah, that goes awesome. a long way. It does. It does for sure. He's a very awesome individual. I had the chance to meet him once and talk to him and just a great, great human being to speak to from a fan perspective. Um, so going back just to the Memorial Cup, though, and winning it at home, what, I mean, you guys had a crazy celebration, I imagine, hey? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the party carried on for, for weeks and weeks. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what was it like winning it at home for you guys? I mean, obviously, that would have been your third Memorial Cup and just each winning uh, would have just been in, even bigger for you, obviously. Yeah. I mean, everyone got bigger just because we played a, a bigger role and uh, you became that much more important on the team. It's the evolution of junior hockey, right? You come in as a 16 year old and for the most part, you, you hardly play. And then you, you know, you play more 17, 18, 19. And, you know, to end it like that was just, I don't think we really understood though in the moment how special this was i mean yeah. you talk to anyone and now when like i said my kid plays in the league i mean it just to make the playoffs you know three years in a row is is incredible let alone to go all the way and win the memorial cup is is just stupid um yeah but again it, it teaches you and after 16 and 17 it never goes away the life lessons that you learn that how hard you have to train, how hard you have to work, um, how you can't take days off. It's about consistency. You learn how to be a winner. You learn how to be a champion. And it's a feeling that you get and you understand it when you're in the moment. And it carries on. It carried on when I was in the American Hockey League. I had that feeling with a team in Syracuse that I played on. We had it. We went to you know the finals and um, the next year as well. And then you go to the, the NHL. It, just because it was junior hockey, it still holds a lot of water because yeah. you never lose that and you never lose it in life. You realize it like, like life is hard. Life takes a lot of work and there's a lot of yep. ups and downs and you have to learn to manage those. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. I played with so many good players, you guys that mm -hmm. never made it and mm -hmm. they were way better than me, but it all comes down to here. What do you do mm -hmm. when you get that opportunity? What do you do when you hit a slump? What do you do when things go sideways? Yeah. Like anyone can play and score and, and be great when things are good. But what happens, yeah. and Mike Tyson used to say this all the time, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so what happens when you get punched in the mouth? <laughs> how do you respond? How do you change your plan? How, how do you work your way out of it? And the yeah. great players, those, they all go through slumps, Sidney Crosby's, all of them, but yeah. those yeah. slumps just don't last long. Yeah. You know how to, how to get out of it. Uh, it, it, yeah, that's definitely, definitely for sure. Um, so going into the NHL now, uh, your first NHL game came in 1999. Um, what was it like fulfilling that dream of stepping on an NHL rink and, uh, pulling on that Jersey for the first time? Oh man, it, you know what? It, it actually started before that. So after the Memorial cup, I was a nobody. Like I was so upset. I got drafted in the 10th round, like 242nd overall central scouting had me in like the fourth round, I think. And I don't know why I fell. I was small, like, you know, all the stuff back then that they said about you, they said about me, yeah. right? But it was fuel for the fire, but I was so pissed. I was so upset. I was going to freaking stick it to everyone. Anyone who got drafted ahead of me, I was going to fight. I was going to run. I was going to take down. Yeah. Um, but after the Memorial Cup, I signed immediately. 
And I went to Vancouver and I was the only one. I mean, Darcy Tucker didn't go, Jason Strzok, all these guys, they never went. I went to Vancouver and I was a black ace and a part of the Vancouver Canucks when they went all the way to the Cup finals against the Rangers. So I'm sitting there. Oh, that's so cool. I I meet Pat Quinn. I'm I'm a 19-year-old punk. I meet (laughs) Pat Quinn. He turns around in his chair. He's smoking a big cigar (laughs) in his office. He's like, hey, kid, welcome to the NHL. And then he turned around his chair and and that was it. I <laughs> and I got up and walked out of the room. And I mean, I was, I skated, but we never played. We obviously never were ever going to play, but we got to experience it all. And nice. that was my first taste of, oh my God, like this is another level. Like I'm hanging around with, with Pavel Bure and Gino Ojic. They're taking me and Dave Scatcher and Mark Watt and golfing. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world. These are my like, my idols, my childhood oh, heroes. Yeah. You know? and anyway, so then I uh, I went through the Vancouver Canucks organization. Never got a sniff. Had unreal years. Uh, Tom Rennie was the coach in Vancouver. He never gave me a chance. Uh, <laughs> Mike Keenan never gave me a chance. And I had great years. I had twenty goal seasons. I had mm-hmm. I had one hundred and eighty penalty minutes. I was I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do. Yep. But I never got a chance, and I'll never forget. July 1 came after my contract expired with the Vancouver Canucks. And the first phone call was Larry Plo. And he called me at eight o'clock that morning. I'll never forget. I couldn't believe it. And he offered me a contract and he said, we don't care. We've been following you around all year. Uh, Bob Plager absolutely loves you. He, he needs you. He wants you on our team. He goes, I haven't seen you a ton, but if you show me what he says you can do and how you can play, I don't care if you're a first round, you're a walk on, you will make the St. Louis Blues. And here's That's what we're wow. going to offer you. And it was like three times what I was making in Vancouver. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll take it. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. I just want an opportunity. And that, the rest was kind of history. I went into training camp. And I remember my dad saying to me, he goes, listen, you're, you're now, you know, not drafted. You're, you're a walk-on player, basically. Don't say woulda, coulda, shoulda. This is your mm-hmm. chance. This is your yeah. opportunity to show what you can do. When it's yeah. all over, no matter how it ends up, whether you get sent down, whether what happens, don't have any regrets. So the first scrimmage, I went out there and their leading scorer of the St. Louis Blues, we're playing an inter-squad game. He gets the puck, he comes up the ice, he cuts across the blue line. And I'm like, well, here we go. And I catch him <laughs> in the trolley tracks. It's Pavel Dimitra. And I oh. absolutely steamroll him. I knock him out unconscious. <laughs> I separated his shoulder. Oh, He's down geez. on the ice. The building is, you can't, you can hear a, a mouse fart in this place. Like, <laughs> it is so dead quiet. And all I hear from the other bench is Kelly Chase yelling at me. You are a dead man, Nash. I'm gonna, he doesn't even know my name, actually. <laughs> You're a dead man. You stay on the ice. I'm going to kick your ass. Oh. <laughs> all I could think about was, well, I guess I got noticed somehow. somehow. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's kind of how it, it started for me. And uh, I never stopped. I think I had eight or nine fights in that training camp. I didn't make the team right away, but I, I was uh, a call up later that year. And uh, to your question, you never forget it. I had my bag. Yeah. It was an afternoon game. I walk into the arena, got my sticks, bag. And I walk into the locker room of the St. Louis Blues and I see the logo on the floor. I got goosebumps. I'm almost in tears. And I see my Jersey uh, with a number nine on there all the way across the room in the corner. And I'm like, 
Oh my God, that is the most beautiful thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I was going to crap my pants because I was so freaking nervous. But <laughs> no, no, for sure. You still have that jersey kicking around? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, on, it's on my wall and uh, that's awesome. my man cave. And, uh, that's awesome. Again, you, you get that opportunity. But I watched so many guys when I was with Vancouver and in mm -hmm. Syracuse get called up and sent down and called mm -hmm. up. And they're all like, ah, the coach screwed me. Ah, this and that. <laughs> I, I got my chance. I, I deserve better. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave this game this afternoon against the Dallas stars and they are going to know me. They are going to know me good or bad. They are going to know that I played in this game and I played, I think I played six minutes in the game. I hit and ran over anything and everyone <laughs> that moved or touched the puck. I ended up fighting Pat for beak in that game. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you what, they, they love me. I, I lasted another game before I got sent back down. Uh, I played against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it was so fun because I had Kelly Chase on one side. I had Tony Twist on the other side. <laughs> oh, and they were like, kid, you can do whatever you want. Go oh. chirp Ty Domi. Go punch <laughs> Matt Sundin in the face. you got carte blanche. You can do anything you want. And in fact, they loved it. Twister was like, do it because it makes me mad and it makes me want to kill somebody. Because <laughs> I see you getting beat up. So. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. Tony Twist and Kelly Chase. Yeah, they were oh, wow. they were some scary players. Oh, they terrorized the WHL there for a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just want to go back a little bit. I, so I heard a story on Chicklets a few years back uh, where you talked about getting in a scuffle with a guy outside of a 7-Eleven for leaning on your car in Kamloops. Uh, what was the story behind that exactly? <laughs> oh, wow. There's a few. Oh, my gosh. We used to okay. Have... Oh, yeah. We, we had some we had some good good scraps um well no i well that that was uh, i got jumped outside of a uh i think it was a max actually a max okay yeah. a max and uh down in our in our hood there just off of uh greenfield road there is where we we live yeah um but uh yeah i, I got jumped by a, a skateboarder who freaking smacked me in the back of the head with a <laughs> skateboard and I went home and I grabbed, I was grabbing Bob Westerby and, and uh, Mike Josephson and Shane Doan. And we ripped back there. I had a big black eye and we were looking for the guy all over, all over town. But it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. I just uh -huh. heard that. And I remember hearing that a couple of years ago and I was just blown away by the story. I was like, oh, that's nuts. Yeah, oh, we, we had a few, I can tell you that we had a few dust ups in Kamloops with uh with all the boys I, I can't tell you all the details <laughs> obviously <laughs> it comes back to haunt us but oh my yeah. goodness it was yeah yeah we had some good times <laughs> um so speaking yeah. of camels have you paid attention to what the blazers have been doing this season oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. so it's, you like their chances it's pretty special it, it's yeah special. i mean there's some my son's in the playoffs right now against the, yep. the edmonton uh Edmonton team and yeah. they're they're pretty darn scary yeah. as well so it's it's going to be a, an interesting battle you got uh, so many good teams you got Winnipeg you got Edmonton you got Kamloops you got Everett yeah um, it's the, the Western Hockey League right now is 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 absolutely no joke that that's yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah it's it's exciting it's so exciting to watch um yeah, I was going to bring up your son, Ty. Um, how has he adapted to the WHL? I mean, you've obviously given him a lot of advice and, and all that. Yeah, you know what? It's been, uh, you know, this whole COVID BS yeah. and, all, and yeah. all this has been a joke. I feel yeah. that's who I feel really bad for is, is the yep. kids, right? I yeah. mean, they've missed out so much. Um, he's a great player. He played as a 16-year-old. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you go through it as a 16 year old. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I, it's hard as a parent to watch, but you watch him struggle and you watch him trying to find himself. And he's a kid from Scottsdale, Arizona. All of a sudden he's yeah. going to the Western hockey league and he's playing with Dylan cousins and Addison. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, he's playing six minutes a night and you know, but he's learning. He's yeah. learning yeah. how to be a fourth line player that he's never been before. He's learning that, Hey, if I'm going to play and, and play more, I need to hit, I need to be physical. I need to fight. And he did all those things. And then they got shut down, right? And yeah. they were a great team, never got a chance to play in the playoffs that year, which they, that team at that time would have done some, some serious damage. Yeah. Never got the opportunity. Then the next year as a 17-year-old, he comes in all excited, and they play 24 games. Yeah. It's an, yeah. Absolute, it's an absolute joke. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't happy about it. I know it's all about the owners and, and the money. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I was disappointed in the league because – because I really felt like the USHL did everything they could down yeah. here in the U S right. So I have, yep. I have the option to see it all. Right. And they're yeah. playing a lot of fans. They're playing a full schedule. Yeah. They play playoffs and the owners, they sucked it up because mm-hmm. I know the parents chip in, in the USHL and, and they, you know, they have to pay a little bit, but the, the Western hockey league to shut down like that and take that away from the kids um, you know, just wasn't right in, in my mind. I think the owners, the players have given so much over the years and the owners yeah. have made so much money over the years that I thought they really could have given a little bit more. Um, and you know, it all comes down to money in the end. So, yeah. And then this year, you know, this year, obviously, it, you know, it's, they've done what they've had to do and, yep. uh, you know, they played as many games as they could. They're starting to get their fans back, you know, finally, yeah. So these kids have been through what I've never been through playing in empty buildings. I mean, yeah. I don't even know how yeah. you do that. How do you block yeah. a shot? How do you get in a fight? You know, and then you're playing every team in your, in your division. So <laughs> Lefferts, yeah. like the Edmonton team, friggin' eight Seven times, times. Just, yeah. Yeah, steamrolled, you know? So it's yeah. like, I don't know. You look at the stats and you look at the points and I don't know how as a scout or a GM in the NHL, how you scout these kids. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult. It's just so different it than it's ever been. Right. But yeah, you, you adapt and, and he has, and, and I love everything about his game. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's on a tear this year. He was finally starting to get to play, um, yep. you know, and you know, he still doesn't play a lot of power play. He finished with 17 goals. I think he missed the last eight, eight games of the season with a separated shoulder. So he's Ooh. playing injured right now. He can barely yeah. lift his arm over his shoulder, but again, I, that's, that's adversity that you, yeah, it is. you don't learn anywhere else, right? You're riding yeah. a bus. He got his nose smashed this year <laughs> all over his face. He's got two black eyes. I'm like, dude, this is, this is, I'm so, I couldn't be more proud of a kid, you know, and what he went through and never put a bubble yep. on. He still kept his, his visor on and just, the, you know, <laughs> the warrior. Stuff, yeah. Just the stuff that you, you, you hope that you, you see out of your kid. And yeah, I mean, we're so proud of him. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going to, uh, I, uh, they play tonight against Edmonton. I'll definitely, uh, tune into that. It's, you know, the WHL playoffs are right now. They're so exciting. I mean, yeah. you look at what Kamloops has been doing and then like you mentioned, Winnipeg and Edmonton and Everett, obviously. Um, so just to touch on, uh, just a couple more questions and then we'll let you go. But so Logan Stankoven, um, you've obviously seen what he's been doing with Kamloops. Um, we haven't seen a player like this in years in Kamloops. Uh, he's, he's very special to watch. What's it like from your point of view? Oh, well, exactly that. I mean, this guy is, uh, is a lightning rod. He, yeah. uh, he really is. I mean, I, uh, 
I'm blown away, actually. I mean, he's not a big guy, um, but the puck's always on a stick. Uh, yeah. the, the plays that he makes, uh, he makes everyone around him better. I mean, there's so much talent in that league. And, yeah. and that's the other thing I will say. It's like, I played in that league and it is a great league. And if you're a superstar, it's certainly, you know, the, the way to go. I, I just, I wish they would change the rules. I, I wish the NCAA would would wake up or whoever's responsible and i watch the ushl i look at these kids and for them to play and then go on and, and be able to play college hockey in division mm -hmm. one i mean i just don't see the difference now with the naming rights that these kids have uh, in college the ability to make money i mean these kids in the western hockey league they don't even get them enough money to, to fill their gas tanks up with gas yeah. but yeah. yet they're considered to be pro players it's, it's such a shame because if you're really about building the best hockey player, you mm -hmm. send that kid to the CHL. Yeah. You send yep. that kid to the best league in the world, which is yes. the WHL, the CHL, the OHL, the, the, uh, the Quebec League. These kids play with visors. They play an NHL schedule. Yep. They ride the bus. They fight. They play their hearts out. And then to take that all away from them, because they're considered pros because they get enough money to fill yeah. their gas tanks is just mm -hmm. a crying shame. Can you imagine if you sent those kids then at 20 years old to go play division one hockey anywhere oh. they wanted in the world? Can yeah. you imagine that kid at 23? It oh, would be okay. insane. Yeah. It would be yeah. insane how good this yeah. hockey player would be. I just don't know why more people aren't talking about it. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. Someone's not beating the drum out there going, it's got to change. The yeah. NCAA has changed. People are those players, those kids are all making money now. Like, what's the difference? If we really yeah. want to yeah. make the best player, let's let's do them a favor and let them go play college yeah. hockey. Then they already have their school money. Yeah. They don't need the scholarship. They could just use <laughs> that money. My kid could go play at ASU after he's done in Lethbridge as a 20-year-old and dominate yeah. at that Yeah, point. absolutely. Yeah. But he might not get that chance because a lot of times these kids are done. Yeah. Yeah. At 20. Yeah. 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 So. That's my rant. <laughs> I, I love it. No, I, I agree with it. It's, it's a fair point to bring up. But I love Any the league. league. I love the yeah. league. The Western Hockey League was the best time of my life, for sure. Yeah. I just wish there was there was more after that. There was a, yeah. a, a longer runway. And that's what I'll say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I, that's enough questions for me. Do you have any other questions? No, it's good. Uh, you know, thanks again for coming on the show. It's uh privilege to talk to you of a long time NHL or WHL or so uh, thanks for coming on yeah thanks yeah, boys. good we show. really appreciate awesome. it you got it good luck with the pod man that's awesome <laughs> thank you pump in the league it's good stuff yeah, th yeah thank you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.